0: Hello, everyone. My name is Farah Samawi, and welcome to the Insights Association North Atlantic Chapter's new podcast, DEI Matters. This new podcast series will discuss all things DEI within the Insights community and beyond. We hope you will join us for some insightful, challenging, and fun conversations and be motivated to act. Today, I'll be co-hosting with Amy Santopietro and Melissa Geithers. This is our third monthly podcast, and we intend to do a few more throughout the year, so please stay tuned. First, we'd like to thank our sponsors who have helped make this initiative possible, Zappi, Forsta, Digital Research Incorporated, AMS, and CFR. Today's podcast is about religious diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workspace. So I'd like to go ahead and welcome all of our guests, Larry, Jalen, and Eska, and allow them to introduce themselves. We can start with Larry.
1: Thank you for uh, Larry Bailey. I have been a marketing research voice of the client space for most of the last 40 years, uh, primarily banking, financial services. So I've worked for both modest-sized consulting firms and global institutions as well. i so kind of exposed uh, to the nature of religious and cultural diversity um, across my entire career, especially having grown up in Hi
2: everybody, my name is Jaylan Abdurrahman. Uh, thank you so so much for inviting me and trusting me to be a part of this conversation. It's such an important one. I am a doctoral candidate in the field of counseling psychology here in Boston. Um, in the process of being trained to become a licensed psychologist um, have done pretty extensive community work and youth work throughout, um, my life, particularly in the last, uh, decade or so, uh, primarily with women of color, with migrant young people and with the Muslim community. Um, and these are all communities that, um, I identify with and feel like I'm very much a part of. And, um, I serve, um, with a great sense of, uh, of joy, um, and, and gratitude. Um, and as it pertains to DEI, though I'm not a formal professional in the DEI space, I certainly am contending with DEI issues all the time for what it means to work with people across difference and diverse identities, as well as somebody who's often um, felt like my experience of personhood has um, not been like the majority. Um, so it's uh, it's such a pleasure to be here. and looking forward to the company.
3: Hi, everyone. My name is Eska Siddiqui. I currently work as a brand strategy consultant at C-Space, and I've been in the market research industry for about four years now. Um, I am born and raised Muslim, and being Muslim has been a big part of my identity throughout my entire life. Um, My family has been huge on going to the mosque all the time and being involved in youth organizations and everything, so it has been a pretty big part of my identity. And currently, I work with a young Muslim women professionals group in my local community to get more young Muslim women involved in like business fields and fields that are not the ones that Muslim people tend to go to, like medical or engineering or something.
4: Great. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your backgrounds. Our first question today is, what does diversity, equity, and inclusion mean to you in the frame of religion? I'm going to pick on someone.
1: (laughs) I'll take that first to make it easier for you, Melissa. Sure. Sure. Um, Having worked in really big companies, even though I'm from New York where there's a very large Jewish population, um, often the companies are populated by people of more traditional American based Christian faith. And I've often faced this um, kind of assumption that they're the majority. We have to adapt to them. And it's not an easy thing to kind of politely create space for yourself, and things like that. Um, I had an interesting experience early in my career. Uh, it was my first job in banking. I was working for a fellow who was a very religious Jew for a big European-owned bank. It was not at all Jewish. And it came time around the Jewish holidays in the fall, um, and I'm not super observant, so I was going to be working the second day. Of the holiday. And my boss said something to me that resonates to this day, which was, Larry, you can't because I'm very observant. If you work on the second day of the holidays, everyone's going to look down at me for being in synagogue the second day. It's going to be really hard for the observant Jews if some of the less observant come to work on those days. So you have to understand how we are viewed in the workplace. And it was a striking kind of a wake up call for me, understanding that um, I was really a minority, even though I grew up kind of like in a Jewish ghetto in New York City, in the broader world. Takes a little while to understand how you fit in and how your behaviors can be interpreted by others.
4: That's interesting. I, um, I can definitely relate to that in a different context. But I would like to hear if Jalen uh, or Aska have any, um, any frame of reference for the same or similar experiences in the workplace regarding their religious expression. Yeah.
3: yeah. Jan, you go, please.
4: <laughs> okay, it looks like both of us muted.
3: I'll go. Um, I think. Uh, yeah i kind I do agree with you Larry that's um that happens very often. I think what people forget is that one religion like two people can follow the same religion. It doesn't necessarily mean that they both practice the exact same way um a there's difference of like sects and beliefs in general, but then b there's also a different level of practice. Some people may not be at a certain level that others are um so it's it is hard to navigate that, and I think for me like d i when it comes to religion means understanding that understanding that just because somebody is from a certain religion doesn't mean that they're going to practice as the same person from that same religion. Um, And B, also creating space for people to practice religion the way that they want to practice it. If one person feels a need to take off for, um, you know, some sort of religious observance and another one doesn't, um, it's letting them be that, right? Not shaming somebody for either not taking off or shaming somebody for taking off just because somebody else didn't. Um, I think that's really important.
2: Yeah I I really appreciate both um both of your points the the stories that you share and sort of the perspectives that you offer um as I was reflecting on this question I was what came to mind for me is sort of The reality that, at least for me and my own lived experience, I would argue that there's sort of a tone of a religiosity in the wider culture in the US, um, especially in places like the Northeast, that I think really does inform maybe the subtle ways that people interact and the work cultures and the ways that they're built um, and actually reduces our collective ability to be religiously literate as a, as a nation, right. Um, And know what other people may do, why they do what they do, um, what they hold as dear, um, how that might be different um, across um, different people within a same religious group, right. As you're talking about. Um, And we hold that, you know, this exists while many, many, many people still hold religious identity is so central to who they are. Um, And um, I think, you know, this coexistence of this like large overtone that religion especially those that are not mainstream should really be regulated to the private sphere and it's not a private matter um, that does not have a place in public life really comes to um, attention within the workplace. I mean, the intention behind it is really good, right? We don't want work or school to be a battleground for persuading people in any way or trying to, you know, have fiery debates about spiritual truths. But when I do think about DI efforts, um, we know that it can easily fall into like check boxes of who is missing, and perhaps what who who do we need at the table to be inclusive of different types of people. And to me, that approach can flatten maybe the potential of what DEI efforts can do for cultures of institutions um, to be transformative, right? It has this potential to be a venue where we can critically engage with notions of like who's welcome um, and considered in the design of the culture at XYZ workplace. Do people feel valued and wanted and invested in as they are fully? Um and um I think. You know, to, to Larry, your point, I think the fear sometimes in inviting religiosity into the workplace is like we know when we enter the territory of like values, worldview, and purpose, things can get messy because mm-hmm. we don't want to get into a place where like there's a hierarchy of, of values, worldview, and purpose. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that there already is, um, whether we call it religious or not, right? Yep. We know that we're the dominant culture that like creates these boundaries of what is expected and what is not, what is normative, mm-hmm. what is not, what is worth celebrating and what is not. Right. Um, so on and so forth. And, um, in some ways that's inevitable, but I think what DI efforts can do, um, is really be aspirational and understanding like who is part mm-hmm. of our work teams, what matters to them, what traditions shape them and their lives and why. And what can we do to create structures that can bend and find joy in, in being flexible to honor people and their needs fully? Um, uh, but we can't do that when we're like hush hush about it, right? right the labor of advocacy to fall on those who are most marginalized. Um, We're not building sort of cultures of DI in that way. We're sort of just plugging people into spaces where they're not really um, feeling like a sense of belonging, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But if we can create cultures that embody co-learning, co-teaching, co-creation, that are seeing and valuing people, um, I think we're all better for it.
1: Um, I think one of the things I've seen in the workplace is People succeed and you create a culture of um, kind of engagement when you let people be comfortable being who they are. Don't, you know, many years ago when I worked in a bank, it was, we had a woman who was uh, a leader in the bank, in in the corporate lending area. And this is back in the 1980s. And she dressed for work as if she was a man. She bought her suits at a woman's shop. It was always a navy blue suit, a white blouse, a yellow scarf. So it was kind of like the woman's power suit because it was about belonging and not standing out. It's very different now. I think one of the things that's an interesting challenge is those of us on our group today, we're minorities, okay? We don't have um, majority Christian people as part of this conversation. And I always wonder when we get engaged in these initiatives at work, how much of this is truly genuine. Or how much of this is political correctness? Mm -hmm. And when the doors close, are they saying the same things about us that their grandparents said about us or not? Um, And the only way that I can ever feel about combating that is continue to be myself, let them see me for who I am. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've told people I've trained as salespeople. Well, what's the success? Don't try to be someone who you're not. It never works. Better to just to be yourself and not force who you are and others, let them embrace who you are.
3: Jalen
5: and and Larry, I'm so struck by... That tension you just described, right, between wanting to show up as your true self at work and give everyone space for showing up as their own true selves mm-hmm. at work, both from a lit- religious but also other standpoint. You know, you just mentioned gender as well. Um, but then also that desire to do what's right for your identity. You almost, it almost feels like both of you have experienced an Eska two experience point in time where you feel like you are responsible for representing your identity to the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you think about you know, some of the challenges that you've faced, whether it be in your own you know kind of personal expression or for projects that you've taken on for other clients, what are you think some of those biggest challenges? Um, or would you speak a little bit more to the challenges that um, you face when you're trying to infuse more intentionally DEI or differing perspectives into work projects and how, you know, how do you think you can meet those two things um, within the work environment? It's
1: it's a great question. You know, it gets back to some of my, uh, my market research training, no population that you ever really want to survey is truly homogenous, right? There's a kind of a segmentation out there somewhere waiting to be discovered. Um, And it's really understanding the differences and understanding how you can Utilize knowledge of those differences for the benefit of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, it's true when you know if you're if you're surveying clients who, let's say, are former clients, and you want to understand who they are within the world of former clients who are, are now have attrited from their organizations or unsubscribed. There are segments within that, and understanding differences is essentially what we do for a living, right? It is fundamental to you know the whole marketing research industry in is understanding these things and in some ways I, I think it was farah who spoke about um the cultural aspect in islam which is very similar to judaism which is you question right you're always questioning you know why and how and you know i think it's important to make sure that that is represents who we are and how we work
2: yeah i think i think um these are really powerful reflections um I think there's a few challenges that come to mind for me, both as somebody who might be uh within professional spaces trying to advocate on behalf of DEI initiatives being a little more commonplace. Um and um uh, sustainable, but also as a person who's a potential like recipient of, um, of the benefits that DI initiatives can bring. Um, and it is such a powerful thing to show up as your full self, unapologetic and, um, who you are. And I think there's a great sense of, Um, change that can come from that, um, and the interactions and the exchanges and encounters that people can get from like having you show up as you. But there are so many institutional cultural things at play that make it really hard to do that safely without repercussions. Mm -hmm. So as I think about challenges, um, in the DI space in particular, I think sometimes what I'll find is that folks might be a little more timid to feel like, um, They can fully commit or like they're doing enough or might get defensive when they're told that more is necessary or feel overwhelmed if they don't get it right the first time. And ultimately there's this reluctance to get really vulnerable in the ways that I think this work needs us to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think DI efforts can easily become. Um, a place where like organizations like Wordsmith um, to get the right language in the right place for the website, Um, maybe hire a few people to like add a little bit of color to the table. Um, But that sometimes will obstruct what the spirit of DEI really is. Um, And it's a commitment to internal work. Um, If DEI exists, because we acknowledge that maybe the status quo is not doing what it's supposed to, um, Mm -hmm. to be equitable and inclusive and healthy, maybe even harmful for Mm -hmm. folks, we're saying that DEI is about change. Um, And the truth is when we talk about organizational change, we're also talking about structures and culture. And we are making up cultures, right? We are making up the organizations. Organizations are made up of individuals and the external change we really want is hinging on our ability to do that internal work um, and all of us, right? Um, And that can be hard across an institution where there are many people who have very different, you know, uh wills right around this and um
1: it's also a self-awareness thing you know the i you know i learned from a counselor many years ago that you can never truly love someone else and truly you can truly embrace embrace self-love there
4: you go yeah
1: and you know i would venture to say that the vast majority of people in large organizations are not self-aware of those (laughs) types of which Mm. makes the genuineness of the organizational approaches somewhat questionable
2: i agree yeah yeah, I, I believe that's a really nice way to put it. I mean, DEI is not just what's on, on paper. It's like the success of DEI is really gauged in those micro interactions that happen between people. Um, and if people are not dedicated to their own wellness and their own self-awareness and their own internal work, those micro interactions can feel, um, very unsafe for people who are forced to be on the margins and survive there, right? Mm -hmm. Someone might have on paper the right to take off a religious holiday or may have time, like take time during the day to like go observe a religious ritual Mm -hmm. in a corner and their boss might not be able to challenge that on paper, but there might be potential consequences in sort of the interactions a boss might give a person attitude or Mm -hmm. grievances or may look at them as unreliable or a burden, um, if their religious holiday happens to fall at a busy time of the year, mm-hmm. but when in corporate America, is it not a busy time of the year, <laughs> except yeah. for maybe Christmas and, and New Year's, right? Depending on the industry. Um, so DI is, I think, about building those structures that like support and inspire people to feel like they can dedicate themselves to being better for and with each other, yeah. um, building respectful, dignified cultures. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's that's a challenge because it requires everyone to roll up their sleeves.
1: You know, what's interesting is that I'm thinking about the experience of my parents and grandparents and the experience of uh, Muslims in this country today who are about 100 years behind the experience that Jews had in the 1900s coming here as outsiders who were very reluctantly admitted, um, who were looked down upon to and even throughout World War II were not really welcomed here. It was someone else's problem. And it took generations to really Kind of become mainstream, so I almost feel a sense as a Jewish American a sense of responsibility to help grease the wheels for the subsequent waves of immigrants in this country who are initially viewed as outsiders. So their kind of integration in organizations is easier because we've kind of been through that. It doesn't happen as much to me as it might to someone uh, uh, you know of the Muslim faith in, in, in a big organization.
3: I agree with that, and I think um, as you said that, Larry, I was thinking that sometimes because it's not just my responsibility to make sure that I'm fighting for like religious rights or I'm fighting for my religion. It's also my responsibility to make sure that I'm fighting for other identities in the workplace as well. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when you're fighting for your own identity, it flips your mind to also be fighting for somebody else's or you might not have the time or the energy to fight for somebody else's. Mm -hmm. So to your point, Jaylan, it's so important for everybody to work together and like for everybody to bring that energy into DEI efforts Mm because just one person who themselves is a minority cannot do it all. Because again, like they might not have the energy, they might not have the time and they might be busy, like fighting their own battles to remember or to, to keep in mind to fight somebody else's battles as well.
1: You know, it's, you know, the mindfulness about things that we do in this light can, can appear many ways. Um, I was just today organizing um, a big client visit with some very, very senior people um, at a client of mine, actually down in the state where Rich is from. And, uh, we are we're a company with 330,000 employees in 70 countries so we have some of everything company and when i sat with my division exec we talked about what's the right mix of us to be there because we have we have like 10 people who could qualify for each of the four roles that should be at that meeting so we wanted to make sure that we had a representative mix of gender religion ethnicity so we will have one indian fellow there'll be me There'll be one kind of Protestant guy from the Midwest and a woman from the Northwest. So we are reflecting, this is who we are as a company. It's not like all people who look and sound like me, this is our blend. So when you work with us, this is kind of what you get. Um, And we're very cognizant of that. I I think part of it is we have leadership in our company that is young and very much in tune with these. That is not true of leaders in lots of companies that are more traditional um, that may say the right thing, but don't necessarily believe all the things that they say. They're, to your point, uh, Jelan, they're checking the box. So, yeah, it's important, I think, when you're in, in your company to understand the culture that you're in and do what you can within that to improve it. Some companies truly embrace these things and some companies don't. Knowing where where you sit will enable you to succeed and not kind of beat your head against the wall.
0: Thank you, yeah, and I think that goes right back into self-awareness, right? It's DEI starts exactly from where you are. You can't pretend you're at a different place. You need to go back to the beginning, really examine who who makes up our company. Are we actually being representative? And when we talk about DEI, are we talking from a place of knowing and actually representing or from a place of tokenizing, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Something that really pleasantly surprised me when I came back, you know, recently it was Ramadan for a lot of us Muslims. We took a off and I had a lot of coworkers that reached out to me and were like excited for me. They were like, wow, it was a What did you do to celebrate? I want to hear all about it. You know, I'm not familiar with your traditions, but teach me like, I want to feel like I'm part, I can, I can sort of witness that happening. And that to me was Just so beautiful because they were genuinely asking out of curiosity and because they saw me going through Ramadan and they wanted to celebrate with me. And back in the Middle East where I'm from, that's what we do. You know, when it's Christmas, you go over to your Christian friends, your Christian neighbors, you celebrate with them. When it's Eid, your Christian, your Jewish friends come over. We all celebrate each other's holidays. And we all like to include each other in the celebrations. And, you know, that's what creates a truly inclusive community when you can be there, support each other through the difficult times and be there to celebrate when that sort of lifts as well. Um, and I think this leads really nicely to our next question, which is what resources should companies adopt to, you know, and really intentionally include different religious identities in their
3: culture? But I cannot pop in here because you just mentioned exactly what I was thinking. Um, this is something that C-Space did this year that I absolutely loved. And that kind of goes in line with what you were saying about celebrating each other's religious and cultural holidays. At the beginning of the year, they added to the corporate calendar all of the religious holidays for some of the major religions that exist. Um, and they just live on our calendar. They're always there. Um, all of my holidays are there. Ramadan was there. al-Fitr was there. Um, In fact, I actually forgot Ramadan was coming up until I was scheduling something. And I saw on the calendar, it said Ramadan. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, what am I doing? Like, don't schedule this right now, Um, which is so awesome. And I actually had like this year, like a couple of coworkers reach out to me that told me like, oh, this is the first time I've like learned about you. And I am, you know, doing my research. And I was just like looking into it. And it really warmed my heart to hear that. I was like, oh my God, that's so awesome. Like, I'm, I'm so glad that you're looking into something that's such a big part of my life. And just doing something as simple as just having that holiday on the calendar gave them the opportunity to be able to do that because they probably wouldn't have thought of it themselves. Um, and on the other side, there were some religious holidays that I saw on there that I didn't know existed for other religions. And I'm excited that when they come around, like, I'm going to research about them and I'm going to look into them and see what they're all about because I never heard of them before. Um, so it's such a small thing. Like, I don't know how long it took the person who did that to do it. Um, I wish them all the best because, you know, they took the time out of their day to see all the religious holidays that are coming up and add them to our calendar. But I feel like it had a much bigger impact than they probably even anticipated it would have.
2: I love that. I I also had a workplace that did something very similar um, where anytime they would sort of a, a important religious holiday would roll around. They'd actually send an email out, not knowing how many people at the organization observed, but just as a sort of a gestural thing in case there was, um, not making any assumptions about pe- what people are observant of or not. And just being able to see an email coming in that says, happy Diwali or, you know, blessed Passover or whatever it might be, like spark something in your mind to be aware of what other people might be um, holding is dear and important, um, and sort of as a point of recognition, helping people feel like seen and um valued right that who they are beyond their job descriptions matters um and other than that i mean i'm not like a, an expert in all like the comprehensive resources i mean when i think about these things i think about like hiring practices and sort of how to to think about reducing bias in that process but also retention so when we're thinking about culture of organizations and how to make sure people are feeling um seen um and able to be fully themselves right and not stifled or feel like they have to leave a part of them at the door to be acceptable quote unquote um I think about some of those 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 broader structures um not the things that are like asterisks if you are this identity then this applies to you but like broader structures that really encourage everybody um to be able to um, voice their needs, especially if it's a religious obligation, right? So things like, are there very clear policies written and shared around what people can do if they do have a religious holiday that they need to take off? Um, are we providing spaces for people to observe um, religious ritual throughout the day, if that's something that's important to them in their faith tradition? Like if there are meditation or prayer or silent room, for example, in the building, um, are people in leadership also modeling use of that that type of resource, right? Or that is leadership diverse, right? <laughs> diverse enough so that those resources can be leveraged um, and people can see that it's okay to to use those resources and that they're there for a reason and not just for... Um, you know, saving saving face, right? Um, are things like dietary needs accommodated within events, right, and even considered? Um, are team bonding events accommodating different people's needs? Is it always happy hour? Are there sort of other mm. diverse ways that people can engage and not be penalized if they can't show up for their own comfort, right, based on their religious restrictions? Um, you know, if they're holiday season activities, are there also sort of um, things throughout the year that might, you know, give a nod to other people within the the, the team that, um, you know, might hold different times of the year um, sacred um, or important, right? Um, or We're really allowing people to feel seen um, and You know, back to that point, like religion is such a big part of some people's lives. It doesn't serve folks to pretend like it doesn't exist. And um, to your point, I think it encourages folks to be intentional about um, really being able to to challenge misconceptions or tensions that might exist between Mm -hmm. people, um, especially with people who have visible markers of their
4: their religious. Mm -hmm. Right. Can't be hush hush about it. Right. And to that point, speaking of this ties in nicely to our next question. What advice would you give someone observing a religious holiday while working? Because there are some markers that we are are visible present to us that identify us as who we are and how we go through this space. So, love to hear how um, you've managed to bring that forward in your work and what advice you would give to coworkers, colleagues, um, other folks. Um, Maybe looking to express themselves in similar ways through their identities at work.
1: You know, it's interesting because at a company policy level, most kind of modern companies do something to try to embrace and not, maybe not embrace, but accept diversity in their organizations. Um, embracing is a, is a way different thing than accepting um, what happens at a lower work group level is harder to manage and harder to control for. One of the things that I, that I have done, you know, I, I, I tend to kind of wear who I am on my sleeve, as Rich well, well knows, um, and most people who work with me know as well. If I'm going to be out on PTO, I don't ever send a note to my staff saying I'm unavailable Tuesday and Wednesday. I'll say it's the Jewish High Holidays. I'll be unavailable from sundown to Tuesday until whenever. So they know why. So I'm not hiding the fact that, you know, oh, I'm not playing golf. I'm going to be in synagogue. Um, So they understand that it's not it's nothing that I'm trying to keep a secret, that I'm not trying to necessarily um, blow my horn about it, but that I want to share the reality of why this is And I'd I'd rather be transparent about it. I think that that is the kind of thing that is hard to influence or control managers at a work group level to allow that to be a safe place to go. I know that I'm not going to ever try to schedule a meeting with a client or expect my staff to be on a call on Good Friday. You know, it's, it's inappropriate. Now, I don't need to be told that because I've learned that over the years. But there are plenty of new managers who have no clue about these, And I think that there's a, a way that organizations need to be better about training those little sensitivities that go a long way towards having employees feel accepted and embraced.
3: I also think one thing that I would, and not just about religious holidays, but advice that I would give about any sort of religious practice is don't be afraid to have those conversations. I used to literally quake in fear when I first started like my work life. I would be so scared to bring up any sort of religious accommodations that I needed. And as a Muslim, I, I would need quite a few. I always needed a place to pray. I needed a place to properly make wudu before I prayed. I would want to like shift my hours during Ramadan because sleep schedule was so terrible. I would be so scared to have those conversations at first. But slowly I've noticed, and maybe it's just me being blessed with amazing workplaces, is that every time I had those conversations, immediately my manager would be like, okay, cool. Yeah, like, go for it. And I'm like, wait, what? That's it? That's the only conversation? And they were always so like, they were like, yeah, like, what? you know, you're doing the work that you need to do. We know you'll like work around whatever you need to like, you know, you need to take time off, take it off. You need a special place, like, we'll figure something out. Um, So never be afraid to have those conversations. Just be open about it. Be open about exactly what your needs are. Um, And now I make sure that like, even like, and when I'm interviewing somewhere, I tell them during the interview process, I'm going to need a place to pray. I'm going to need like a better scheduling Ramadan. I'm going to need my religious holidays off. And never have I ever like gotten pushback on the other side being like, well, we can't, we can't accommodate that. More often than not, they're just like, yeah, sure. Like we can make it happen. Just let us know what you need. So I would say never be afraid to have those conversations. And of course, you might run across people that are just going to be like, no, you're asking for too much. And unfortunately, I don't have advice for what to do when you come across that, because thankfully, I've never come across that in my short professional life. But just have the conversation and see where it goes. Yeah, I
5: realized I was going to say, I realize our listeners can't see the head nods that I that I see when I look around our panel. But I think that's such a good piece of advice, Eska, is don't. Be afraid to have those conversations. And as managers, don't, you know, make sure that we're giving space to our employees to have those conversations and being open and receptive to those conversations as well. Uh, Before I thank everyone officially, uh, is there anything else that anyone wanted to add before we close up today? All right. Well, thank you to all of our guests. Uh thank you who are here um, for all of your thoughtful and considered responses. Thanks to everybody who's listening today. Um, one quick note, just wanted to thank our sponsors one more time, Zappi, Forsta, Digital Research Incorporated, AMS, and CFR. Um, thank you to Viraj, our sound engineer. Thank you to CJ, our social media expert. And keep on listening for future conversations about DEI in the future.